Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour or so. Finally, a, a, a full hour show tonight. We don't have a Sabres game. There's no Bandits game. There's no college basketball. Nothing. It's just seven to eight, which is nice. I mean, like I, I don't want to like complain about the Bills. I got I, I got a little bit of that out of the way on Monday. So now it's more like a all right, like here we are. And I just I don't know. I, I'm not really in the complaining mood. I, I I'm I'm relaxed. I I tweeted about it the other day that. This weekend's loss didn't take me nearly as long to get over as 13 seconds. 13 seconds, I really, it didn't feel right for about a week and a half. You know, it took, you know, basically the AFC Championship game for me to feel good. Where this, like the next day, I was like, okay, where are, all right, like it happened. It, it, def- it definitely happened. And then Brandon Bean spoke yesterday, and, and, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I definitely want to spend some time tonight talking about. The Sabres, they have been phenomenal. A four-game win streak. They win yesterday 5-3. to three. A great, great win for them. I, I certainly want to spend a lot of time on them because unlike past seasons when the Bills have fallen out of the playoffs, either in the AFC Championship game or the last two years in the divisional round, the Sabres typically were just flat-out not good. And actually, I do want to find a stat real quick that me and my buddy were talking about today about basically this exact date, January 25th of last year. Yes, here it is. January 25th of last year, so about the same time the Bills also fell out of the playoffs. The Sabres right now, 24 wins, a four-game win streak, three points out of a playoff spot. They feel, they feel really alive. Last year at this exact time, 13-22-7. The difference a year makes, but not even just the difference a year makes. Tage Thompson exploded last year out of the scene. He was not the player he is now. The Sabres right now sit after 47 games played, 25-19-3. And And one of the teams they're chasing in Washington, they have three games on them. And they are three points ahead of them. The Sabres this year, they have their issues. They give up too many odd man rushes. The power play is it it can be a little bit one note, and now they're sort of running into an issue over the probably say the last two or three weeks of now teams are shadowing Thompson. What do you do? 
I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll get it better. Overall, their statistics on the power play are still top 10 in the league. They're still doing well there. And even with UPL, his save percentage being shaky, he's still not at 900, which is kind of concerning. He's making the opportune saves. He's making the right saves at the right time. Will he give up a frustrating third goal seemingly every game? Absolutely. But compared to last year's goaltending situation, which did cause a big part of those issues from last year, it is such a better vibe feeling around this team than at any point last year. And that includes the end of the year where they really went on a huge run, the goaltending got better, and they were a playoff team, you know, putting that in quotation marks, based off their performance to end the year. This year, they really feel like a playoff team. Just looking at the numbers right now, through 47 games, pretty much everyone is is basically played 47 to 46 games this year. Tage Thompson leads the way, 66 points. He got on the score sheet last night by scoring, I want to say, the fourth goal. Yeah, yeah, Owen Power scored the third. Tage Thompson scores the fourth. 33 assists. And really what he's been doing, though, this year, to me, that has been a key thing. His goal scoring is incredible. He looks amazing. But we kind of knew last year that, like, all right, he's going to be a real goal scoring threat. His playmaking, the past few games has been exceptional because realistically for him he really hasn't been on the on uh, you know goal scorer much he has two goals i think in the last 10 games but he had two assists last night he had two assists against Dallas he had an assist against Anaheim he had an assist against New York he had an assist against Nashville he had an assist against Seattle he's showing the playmaking aspect of his game he's showing the all-around aspects of his game he has looked like the driving force of the Sabres offense for the last two weeks or so. Not just the goal scoring, but really just everything. Pushing the pace of play and and setting up these massive chances. They are not always going to go in. That's fair. They're not always going to go in. But he has been exceptional as of late. The other guy who has been exceptional is actually tied for second in on the team with points. That's Alex Tuck. Two, two points last night, a point the other night, two points, one point, one point, one point. Six-game point streak. He's been on absolute fire. 23 goals, 30 assists. He already has a career high in goals. And he's career high before this was 21. He's already passed that at 47 games played. And then Rasmus Dahlin as well has already passed his, his career highest in point total. He's on pace for, I think, 90 points this year, a little bit over. Talked the same thing. Thompson's still well on pace for 100 points this year. Jeff Skinner, the same thing, having one of his better seasons overall. And then for me, I've not necessarily been fighting with this point, at least in my head, but kind of debating, like, who is the player, like, I truly like the most on this team? I love watching Thompson and Darlene play. I mean, they're, they're the superstars, and they make unreal plays every game. At least one of them will make a play that has my jaw hit the floor or have me go, oh, and, like, get really excited. I think for me, Dylan Cousins has become my favorite player. I think a lot of it, too, is I'm very big, and people will know this if, if they pay attention to anything I do football-wise. I love the drafts. I love young prospects. I love the idea of a young team getting older and becoming something great just down the road. I love the idea of that. That's how I got into the NFL draft. And it's how I'm into the NHL draft, but I'm far more into like the prospects once they're on the team, like once they're in the system, at least for the NHL. It's a little difficult to keep track of all the minor leagues and and and, and overseas leagues and juniors. And it, it's it's a little much. So I don't try to like dive too much into it. But once they're on the Sabres, I start to pay attention a lot more. Dylan Cousins for me at 21 years old and having this explosion of offensive production 
that he hasn't had, I don't want to say his whole career, his career just started. I mean, like that's the thing is he he just started out in 2020-2021 that season. He played 41 games, only 13 points, but he was really trying to you know figure everything out. That was a COVID-based year. There was still there was still so much around that. His first full season with the Sabers, 79 games, 38 points. But leaving that year, it did feel like he got really unlucky at the end. That he just you know the goals weren't going in. Didn't really have the greatest line mates to set them up. And it's just Cousins was a better player then the stats would show, but why people liked Dylan Cousins last year was much more of, of stuff like with the Winter Classic against Toronto, where he lays a nasty hit. Nasty. It, it was a hit, but you know, really shouldn't have garnered much more attention. But he lays a hit down on Austin Matthews, causes a bit of a fight, and instead of leaving with two minutes left in the game, he stays back with the owner of the Sabres and Terry Pergula and just sits on the glass, banging on it, waiting for his team to win, which they ultimately did. Now this year... The script has been completely just thrown out the window for what Cousins is. Cousins before felt like you know a bit of a grinder player. He's a tall center, 6'3", obviously has moves, speed, everything you really look for, but maybe the, you know, the, the numbers just aren't going to be there. He's already well surpassed his point total from last year. He had 38 points last year in 79 games. Through 47, he has 43 points this year. He's almost a point-per-game player, sits with 17 goals, already well surpassing his total from last year at 13, 26 assists, passing last year's total when he had 25. On most teams, Dylan Dylan Cousins is the main story, and he's like the sixth guy down the list just because everyone else is having these great, amazing years, and he's just sitting there, you know, 21-year-old, leading the kid line, which for a little bit there in the season was maybe the most explosive line in hockey, at least in terms of offensive numbers and analytics. And they've taken a little bit of a downspin, but really Cousins himself this year has not once. He has consistently been like, well, the only consistent member of that kid's line. Of course, J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn are still trying to find their footing in the NHL. Quinn played a few games here last year, as did Paterka, but really they spent most of their time down in the AHL. Quinn last year played two games. He had two points, but he only played two games. And then Paterka, he, I think, only played maybe two. He also played only two games. So this is, I mean, they're legitimately just, even really, you can almost base it off action. It's their first real action in the NHL. They've only played each about 41 games. So they're figuring it out. And Cousins, at 21 years old, has sort of had to be the veteran on that line. And he is, and he's flourished in that role. He has been spectacular. Last night as well, he gets on the score sheet, scores the empty netter, but it was shorthanded. He had to kind of fight and scrap for it, and he just kind of flicks it in an awkward angle. And yes, it's an empty net goal, but he worked to get it. And and you like to see that from a player like Cousins, who has all the talent to not be that player you expect to grind things out, to hit, to get into scraps. But Cousins, I joked last year, and and I think he's always kind of been my favorite player on this team for this reason. He he had this look in his eyes last year, and, and a lot of it I, I put to the Toronto game, that if if a player on an opposing team looked at one of his teammates wrong, he'd fight him. And I even put it more to it, if a polar bear looked at his teammates wrong, he'd fight him. Like, the kid just seems to have no fear. He really is the workhorse from Whitehorse. And I think a lot of that does play into, obviously, where he came from. Just always, he's got a little bit more grit than you expect a flashy center to have. He's really, I think for me, the biggest thing is he's gained a ton of confidence. 
just an absolute ton of confidence. That Anaheim game, that first goal, he puts on just a, a nice little move, top corner, and just, you know, he, he barely celebrated. He was just like, yep, that's what I do. Yep, one nothing. Thank you. And if you've got that player developing, at, again, 21 years old, along with the guys like Thompson at 25, Tuck at 26, Darlene at 22, and Darlene coming out of the draft as a generational defenseman, along with a veteran like Jeff Skinner and Cousins is just going to get better because his linemates are just going to get better. Or as something that has really been thrown around kind of the wire and, and what's going on, do the Sabres add to that second line by trading for Timo Meyer, 26-year-old winger from San Jose who seemingly is on the trade block because San Jose wants to be bad. I can understand that. There's really no one else except for Timo Meyer. And Eric Carlson. They are literally it. San Jose is nowhere near a playoff spot. He comes in at 26. 35 goal score last year. Through 49 games this year is a 28 goal scorer. 20 assists. That, to me, almost feels like the perfect player to partner with Cousins. Like, to me, since the Timo Meyer, I guess, sort of rumors that he's on the trade block have come out that's all I've been thinking about like if the Sabres really are in on it which now it's it's starting to feel like they are because it sounds like you know Elliot Friedman and Darren Drager and those guys on TSN they're all seemingly saying the same thing the Sabres are absolutely in on this they are absolutely one of the teams in on this and I think they they should because while you don't want to be the aggressive buyers where you don't really necessarily have a ton of prospects. You're not really that good of a team, but you're making a bit of a playoff push. So, yeah, we'll add this like rental guy. Timo Meyer won't even really be that much of a rental. You'll probably, which it's also sounding like this will happen, form up a deal with San Jose to bring him over. So that I think there's like a $10 million cap hit that you'll have to take on if you get him because he'll be a restricted free agent. I think this offseason or next. But to me, Timo Meyer. Number one, does not accelerate the rebuild that they're in, or, or Kevin Adams' plan, to me at least. He's 26 years old. He slots right in with where you know Alex Tuck is and Tate Thompson is. He slots in. He's already a well-made player, and he'll help out another one of your young guys. That is still developing. Dylan Cousins has the, the aura about him that he's far more mature than he is. He's still only 21. He's still only in his third, technically third year in the league. I mean, his first year it was COVID, and that's tough. Last year really felt like his first, I mean, it was his first full year, but last year really felt like his first year. You add that that scoring winger to him and to his game, and I wonder how much they pop off that second line. You move one of Paterka or Quinn down a line, and I think that can even help out the rest of the roster. A Krebs and Olofsson. And it can help, I guess, sort of spread everything out. Do they need defensive help? Yes. But I don't think it's anything where they should start you know, selling prospects off to get it. And this is where, for me, the prospect point and why I don't think it's really them very much fast-forwarding the rebuilding and kind of throwing off everything. They have so many prospects. They have a ton of guys who just will never see ice time on this team because of how many prospects they have. I have no idea if Isaac Rosine's ever going to see the Sabres long-term. I have no idea. And a lot of that does feel like he probably won't because of the development just through since the Sabres have drafted him of guys like Yuri Kulich, who just at the World Juniors was spectacular for Chechia, and it just he may never see the ice. Because Kulich is younger, he's bigger, he seems to be a more well rounded prospect, and he's also 
in Rochester, doing very, very well. Then you have the fact that the Sabres did also have two other first-round picks on the offensive side of the puck in that draft class alone, in guys like Noah Osland, and then, of course, at ninth overall, Matthew Savoy. Then, of course, they have guys like Ryan Johnson, and then they have two goalie prospects, and one of them is going to go in Devin Levi and Eric Pertillo. It does sound like Eric Pertillo is going to be the guy that will likely be part of a trade deal, but that's the thing to me. San Jose, like you look back at the Jack Eichel trade, what it was, it was Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, and I think a second. That was Jack Eichel. Yes, everyone kind of knew he wanted out, but the Sabres were both technically rebuilding and not. They wanted a piece, Alex Tuck, who could just slot right in, veteran winger, we're good. We can we, He'll slot right into the lineup and we're good. With San Jose, why would San Jose want to compete right away? Errol Carlson, they maybe can get something for, but he's on a bit of the older end. Contract's not great. So he's probably on the San Jose Sharks, like just, just to have a somewhat competitive player. With Timo Meyer, do you really need to give up a veteran player? Casey Middlestat and Victor Olofsson's names have really been thrown out a lot when it comes to Sabres trade talks, along with Eric Portillo in terms of prospects. I don't know if either of them are leaving, and I don't really know if San Jose would actually want any established players. I think they would want to go to a full rebuild. I don't think they're going to land Connor Bedard. So for them, it might just be, yeah, give us Osland, Rosine, a first, and like Eric Portillo, or a second in Eric Portillo. And while it may seem hefty, it could also be one of those where, where else do we have room? There's other players as well, these second and third round Russian players who just are, are some of them are Rochester, some of them are over still in, in Russia, where it's just like they're also here. Like they also have to be moved or eventually make the roster. Meyer for me will allow the Sabres to make a serious playoff push, which they're in with Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders. Detroit, I guess, as well. Not really Ottawa. Ottawa seemingly has fallen out completely on that. Oh, Florida. I completely forgot about Florida, which is a team that the Sabres, even during this run, have such a struggle beating. Timo Meyer will help that. I think, number one, because he will help Dylan Cousins really reach his full potential of this year, which I think is going to be around 80 points, if not a little bit higher. But he'll add another scoring wing onto this team. He'll he'll come in already as a guy that is nearing 30 goals because he'll probably have have well over 30 by the time a deal is made. I think we've got around 35, 36 days until the trade deadline, maybe a little bit more. So he he would be a perfect guy to slot in. He would come right in, boom, they have a player that can jump right in. I think it all as well he will help whatever of the one one of the rookies that I think is still on that line, whether it be Paterka or Quinn. I think because Meyer's a right winger, naturally, probably be Paterka. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. But he shoots left, so it may actually be Quinn. But whoever's on the line still, that'll help them as well. They're now essentially the one young rookie on a line that now will have a 26-year-old and a 21-year-old who's a third-year veteran in the league. It will help everybody on that line. And then you drop one of Paterka or Quint down to another line with Krebs, maybe, and Olofsson. And as well, that flash, that creativity will help guys like Peyton Krebs, who is really seemingly starting to find his own. He seemingly now really does have a role on this young Sabres team and is flourishing in it. I was at the the game where he scores two goals against Anaheim, and he, he was all over the ice. By the, by the third period, Thompson, who wasn't playing great but not playing awful, was moved down to kind of give a little more juice to Krebs's line. Krebs was boosted up to the first to the first line, and that's where he gets his second goal as well. He was with Tuck and Skinner, and he looked great. He looked perfect in that role. Is it something I'd naturally want him to be every time? No, Thompson's way too good, and he just wasn't having the greatest of games against Anaheim. He was seemingly doing a bit too much. But the fact that they can do that, they can interchange people, they can move them around. You had a guy like Timo Meyer in there, which, again, through all reports, seems to be a legitimate possibility with the Sabres. I was somebody that was that was banging the drum for Matthew Kachuk in the offseason of, hey, the Sabres should go get him. You know, Not all the time is a 6'4", you know, skilled center going to come become available. Maybe the Sabres already have that guy in Cousins. Maybe they do. You look back at Matthew Kachuk's stats. I'm going to pull them up now. I, I looked at them earlier, but we're going to, you know, we're going to go to them now. He just really had his breakout season with, what was that, 104 points. Before that, he was around a point-per-game player the year prior in 2021. 56 games played, 43 points. His best year came when he was 20. Or, yeah, his best season would have been when he was 22, 61 points in 69 games. And then his 21 season in 80 games played, he had 77 points. That's going to be right around where Cousins is this year. Before that, his first two years when he was 19, 48 points in, in that season in 76 games. And then his second year, his second year in 68 games, he had 49 points. Are they the same player? No. But Cousins, 6'3", maybe about 200 pounds. Kind of right around the Matthew Kachuk size in terms of just being a bigger body. Likely, in Cousins' third season, he's going to have right around Matthew Kachuk's numbers. Again, 77 points in his third season. And with Cousins, we're right about there. With about 40, he's what, at 42 points, 41 points through 47 games. We're right there for Cousins. So that, for me, was the big thing. Is like, I, you know, you add that player. Maybe they already had him, and now you add Timo Meyer to really get the most 
out of Cousins, who I think has been a very, very good passer for the for the Sabres, been very, very good at setting players up, namely Paterka and Quinn, who have been his line mates pretty much all year. You add now that veteran piece to them, I think the Sabres really can push for a playoff spot because they are getting enough out of UPL and Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson playing about one game a week. That's kind of what it feels like. But UPL, when they need him, steps up big. He did last night, and he does pretty regularly for them. That game against Boston in Boston, he was a big reason why they won it. He was a big reason why they won it, including the game against Vegas in Vegas. He was a huge reason why they won that. He has been a big factor in, in their jump along with the young guys. And I, I didn't even mention Owen Power yet. I He went from, I tweeted out you know five or six days ago, man, Owen Power is never going to score. He was doing everything. He's never going to the net to him having two goals in two nights, one of them being an overtime winner. He has been exceptional in his first season in the NHL. It looks phenomenal. Him and Darlene together, along with guys like Matias Samuelson, their blue line does feel almost set at this point. And, and maybe they make a trade or maybe they make a free agent signing just to sure that up. But it, the blue line does feel very close to set, if not already there. They may just have to get older and, and a little bit more mature. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. We'll, we'll stick a little bit more with the Sabres and really the, the playoff race going on in the East. And we'll also jump around to the NFL with... Of course, the championship weekend's coming up. I'll talk a little bit about how I feel about each of the four teams left, both in the NFC and the AFC. We'll do that when we come back. This is the Nightcap, and you're listening to WGR. Welcome back into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for the next half hour or so as we wrap up. A nice little Wednesday here on WGR. The roads were awful driving in today. I was it was it I feel like this was bad on me. I did not know it was supposed to snow the way it was. I did not know that. Like I'm kind of like, I'm kind of with showing the Bulldog. They said earlier today, like, because it was not a Bills game day or game week. I just didn't like look at the weather and assume like it could be bad. Like I was blown away that there was like any snow coming down. But I I don't know. That's probably bad on me. I think that's probably bad on me. But, you know, I got in, you know, fine. But initially coming in, I was like, what, what is going on here? Why why me? Why, why do I got to deal with this? Because I was just not, I was really not prepared for it in the slightest. When we last left off, we were talking a little bit about the Buffalo Sabres. I think they should make a trade for Timo Meyer. I am all in on it. I'm really getting excited at the fact that a number of NHL writers are also mentioning that the Sabres do feel like a perfect landing spot for San Jose's winger. I'm all about it. I want to see the team get the most out of young guys, especially like Dylan Cousins, who is not a rookie. He seems to be taking a massive step forward, and I think it would be a bit of a disservice to him. Not necessarily because I think it's a bad thing that he's playing with just two rookies, but they're going to have the ebbs and flows of a season. We're already seeing it. And if you can put him with a veteran goal scorer, somebody that scored 35 last year, scored 28 so far this year, I'd love to see him be put with essentially the best players he can. And so what I want to talk about now, we're going to keep with the Sabres. I really am enjoying what they're doing, where they're at. They've won four in a row, and it does feel like it's not BS. It feels like, no, no, like they're this good. They are exactly what you imagine they should be. They are one of the better scoring teams in the NHL, and their goal difference shows it. 
they've had some problems with defensemen staying healthy at least early in the season, but now they're very healthy, knock on wood, and they're, they're, they're keeping with the process, and they're doing really, really well to do so. So looking at the playoff race we've got going on right now, as we near the All-Star break, your Atlantic leaders are, of course, the Boston Bruins, who at, at 38-5-4, and four, they've yet to have 10 total losses this year. I, like, what is going on in Boston? It felt like last year... That may have been it. Like, like they're going to kind of fall off now, and and no, they're going to have a historic year. They're going to be one of the best teams in hockey. It's going to be ridiculous. You're going to hate it the whole way through. Toronto, who started the year off a little shaky, uh, they've been able to pull it around. But I, I'd still there's a part of me. Maybe this is naive. There's a part of me that still just does not trust Toronto long term, partially because of the the lack of playoff success. Yes, but I think as well, just they are so star heavy, and I've yet to see those stars really explode in the playoffs. Last year felt like the closest they were to breaking that round one drought, and they really just they lost the series to Tampa. Like there's there's no shame in it, but for me at least, it, it, it's still lingering in the back of my mind. And then of course Tampa. On the Metropolitan side, we have Carolina, who just seemingly continues to be that team that is is growing and getting better and better and better. And not that long ago, I would probably say around this time last year, I would have thought the ceiling for the Sabres really should be Carolina. I didn't think they had a player like Sebastian Ajo yet. Tage Thompson was very, very good at the time last year where it's like, all right, he's scoring, but he's not really a playmaker. Like, is he really going to be your 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 first-line center? Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll see what's coming. But it was the blue line. It was the Owen Power, the Rasmus Donnelly, Matias Samuelson looking very, very good. And it was sort of like, all right, they'll be built through the blue line, a lot like Carolina is. This year's completely changed my perspective on the Sabres, by the way. Like I don't I don't think that the same way. I think they could be a better version of Carolina because they do have what feels like a couple of Sebastian Ajos. Then you have the the New Jersey Devils, who started the year off obnoxiously hot. They were a team that through two games didn't play well. Fire Lindy rough chance broke out, and then basically from that point on, they have been one of the best teams in hockey, if not arguably outside of Boston, the best team in hockey. They have been fantastic, a very, very young team. Of course, you have Jack Hughes, who is you know the star of their team, but as well, another player that they have who has initially was their leading point getter until Hughes just exploded is Jesper Bratt. He has been fantastic. He's a, He's one of their wingers who just really he broke out this year he's been one of the better playmakers on the team he's a point per game player this year they also have Nico Heeshear Dougie Hamilton just really a young team who's breaking out and they don't have the same problem they had last year which was having to play all of the goaltenders in the organization I think they started at one point eight goaltenders that's ridiculous and none of them had a save percentage over nine none of them were any good it's just they had to essentially deal with it and it's just it was not going well at all, but this year now, completely different story. The Je- the Devils also aren't like the Devils you know. This is not you know the chuck and puck and just don't let anyone in the offensive zone. They score. They run with you. I mean, they, they skate like they they are there to score, and it's and they're a lot of fun to watch. They're a young team, a lot like the Sabers as well. They seem to be a year ahead of the Sabers in that sense, and it's kind of you do kind of want to wonder what would New Jersey have looked like last year if they just had any semblance of solid goaltending or even just stable goaltending, and then the New York Rangers. Now the Rangers, at least in the Metropolitan, are maybe one of the teams that actually could get caught. Everyone else of the Eastern Conference leaders are above 60 points, Tampa also being at the lowest with 61 through 46 games played. 
But that's the thing, too. They, they've got some games in hand as well that they can go up and get. So they seem to be really on a bit of a run here. But Boston's at 80 points. Toronto's at 66. Carolina's at 66. New Jersey's at 66. The Rangers are the only one at 47 games played. They're at 59 points. And there does seem to be a little bit of, like, there's a fluctuation between them and Pittsburgh of really who's in the Metropolitan, the final spot, that third spot. But then, speaking of Pittsburgh, the wildcard teams are Pittsburgh and Washington. Pittsburgh with 47 games played and 56 points. And the Washington Capitals, 50 games played, 56 points. That, to me, is the team that the Sabres should be gunning for. They do have Florida right behind them. But here's the thing. As much as the Sabres have had issues beating the Florida Panthers, everything else for Florida has really just not been good this year. Matthew Kachuk is playing much, much better, and, and that trade seems to have worked out in the sense of him producing. But they are just not the same team they were last year, the same team that won the President's Trophy. That's not them this year. 50 games played. They're at 52 points. The Sabres hold uh, three games in hand on them at 53 points. And I mentioned in my update today for Shelton the Bulldog that really, you know, Washington's the team they're going for. They hold three games at hand on them. They're three points behind them. But Florida's same thing kind of as well is that they don't really feel Florida breathing down their neck. Florida's only one point behind, but that's with three games in hand. Or, or that's with them three games up on the Sabres. So really the Sabres can kind of still, I don't want to say play a little loosey-goosey, but not have the stress of, oh, crap, they're right behind us. Like, we can't drop a single game. And as well, in the sport of hockey, that is going to happen. Florida themselves, as well, is on a two-game losing streak and just looking at the, their upcoming schedule. On Friday, they get the Kings. And then on Saturday, they get the they get the Bruins. So on a back-to-back, -back, that's what they're going to have to deal with. And then going into February, they play on the 6th against Tampa. The 9th, they play San Jose. Then on the 11th, they get Colorado, then Minnesota, then St. Louis, then Washington. Their schedule really ramps up to have a lot of tough teams they're going to have to play. Minnesota, Colorado, especially out in the West, and then Tampa Bay in the East. And then, obviously, of course, to just finish out January, Boston is a, a grueling team to play. I think the fact that the Sabres beat them once this year in Boston, you don't have to get another point from them. The, just the way Boston is playing, guys like David Pasternak especially having an amazing season as he seemingly heads towards free agency. And then let's look at Buffalo's upcoming schedule. We do know they've got two more games this week as they finish out their out west schedule or their uh, their out west week essentially. They've been out west all week. They get Winnipeg on Thursday and on Saturday they get Minnesota. And then in February, they get Carolina at home on the 1st. They don't play for 10 days due to the All-Star break. They get Calgary at home on Saturday. And then at Los Angeles, at Anaheim, at San Jose. All of those feel very winnable. Carolina earlier in the year, I would have said no. But at home, and I think as well, and something that will help the Sabres, maybe people don't want to hear this, but this is, this is factual. The crowds are growing for the Sabres. Going to a few of these games, the crowds are growing, and they're really getting into it, and people are staying, and obviously the team really does perform well in front of crowds. We know that from Ryan Miller tonight, and then really the, you know, the next day, or well, Two days later, when they played on Saturday, it was the same thing. They played really, really well in front of a big crowd. Now that the Bills season is over, that crowd is going to keep growing. It'll be more consistent to see near sellouts, if not sellouts, especially on Friday night games, Saturday matinee games. It's going to become more and more obvious that you're seeing these that these games be filled out. I'm going with three of my or two of my buddies to the Calgary game on that Saturday, February 11th, because they're in a playoff race, and you see the schedule they've got coming up in February. 
there is a lot of points to be had there. Just February, Carolina, you get 10 days off, then Calgary, then Los Angeles, then Anaheim, then San Jose, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Washington, Columbus. That's your February schedule. I really, really like that schedule for them, especially when you compare it to Florida's. Their schedule, it does not look nearly as favorable. Los Angeles, Boston, just to finish out January, and then in February, Tampa, San Jose, yes, that's good. Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, Washington, Nashville, Anaheim, Buffalo, Tampa. That's a tough run. And then let's go to Washington because that's the team that currently does sit in the final wildcard spot. They finish out their month of January with Pittsburgh, Toronto, Columbus. And then February is Boston, San Jose, Carolina, Florida, Carolina again, Detroit, Anaheim, the Rangers, and then Buffalo. That also feels like a run of games that they could drop. I really like the schedule that's coming up for Buffalo. I like the fact that they're playing this well. And I like the fact that it does feel like this team could make a move and probably should make a move at the trade deadline. Not anything that's going to cripple their prospect pool and they trade away an unprotected first and stuff like that or multiple. And you're like, oh my God, guys, we're not there yet. No. But if Timo Meyer is a player that it's it, what it's sounding like is you're going to have to sign anyways to an extension before you even get him or that teams are, are preferring that. So San Jose is going to have to really be willing to do that before they trade him. And you have so many prospects that probably won't be able to make the roster anyways for the next few years. Why not give it a shot? Give these young guys a real playoff run, if not a complete playoff experience and a playoff run. Because that will give them so much more than just being in a race and falling short. Yes, they'll be amped to come back and to really make the playoffs the next year, but think of what it'll give all these young guys, including the guys like Thompson and Darlene, who have been stars. But now, for especially guys like Darlene, who I think is going to be probably the next captain of the Sabres when Oposo does retire or leave the Sabres, to have that run, to really make the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden... Anyone having talks of the Sabres being a dysfunctional organization will start to dissipate, especially Darlene being 22 years old. Him to make the playoffs, yes, in his fifth season, but as as young as he is, in a Norris-caliber season would be absolutely massive for him and a ton of the other young guys who are starting to really build their careers around the Sabres. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap the show here on a Wednesday. This is the Nightcap, and you're listening to WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick final segment as we wrap up a Wednesday night here on WGR. I do kind of want to get my thoughts on the the, f- the four remaining teams in the NFL, that being the Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, San Francisco 49ers, and Philadelphia Eagles. I, I know Patrick Mahomes was a full participant in practice today. There is something about the Bengals I really, really like. I think it's both the play of Burrow, I think as well, that they've seemingly perfected the offense they want to run, which is quick hitters. They're not necessarily going for the deep shots like they did last year. Last year, their offense really didn't feel like just throw fade routes to Jamar Chase if he's if he's in single coverage. And Jamar Chase was so good that that was working quite often. There's something this year that I just, I really, really like about them. And while I like the Eagles and the 49ers, I think quarterback play is going to come down to it. And just the playoff runs we've had from Joe Burrow in just in just two years now has become very, very impressive. I've gotten to a point now where I went from not really a Zach Taylor truther to now I I kind of believe he's the real deal. He has gotten his team to, or he's helped lead his team to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. They've really got Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City's number. It's at this point now where I think Kansas City might be favored, but 
To be fair, I don't really know if Arrowhead's that threatening of a stadium to some of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I do obviously put Burrow into that category. I know some people aren't going to love hearing this, especially with the comments Eli Apple's made, and, and he's really made himself public enemy number one in Buffalo. I think Cincinnati is going to win the Super Bowl this year. I, they have that feeling where last year they were like spunky upstart who just, you know, how the hell did they get here? Oh, well, I guess they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, clearly the best team didn't make it for the AFC. They might be the best team in the AFC. They're playing the best football when we were doing the reverse AFC power rankings on Show and Bulldog. Cincinnati was pretty routinely coming in in first for like the last like month or so of the season, and they do look it. I mean, they pulverize Buffalo in Buffalo. I'm going to have Cincinnati. I think they're going to take the Super Bowl this year. They're first in franchise history. And Joe Burrow continues to have just, to me, such a meteoric rise to stardom. He was unknown until his last year in college when he had maybe the greatest college season of all time. And since then, he has just been getting better and better and better to now. He feels like a quarterback that is going to be frustrating for the next 10 to 15 years. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap here on WGR. Coming up tomorrow we got Sabres at Winnipeg. Puck drop starts at 8, and pregame will start right here on WGR at 7. This has been the Nightcap, and you're listening to WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.